Hello, and welcome. Some of you might find what you are about to hear unpleasant or disturbing. And some of you might find exactly what you've been looking for. This is a horror anthology podcast with stories comprised of fears derived from the deepest depths of your subconscious. This is Unwanted Things. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Unwanted Things. I am your host, Cameron Baker. Last week, we released our first episode in over a year, and it felt good, I can't lie. We also talked about the other podcast I'm a part of, Anarium. And thank you for listening, if you did. But I want to remind you to please go like and review that podcast, Anarium, and this one, as it really helps us find new listeners. And this is kind of our season, if you know what I mean. Watching horror movies is fun and a great way to spend this spooky season. But this podcast is something that I truly enjoy making and working with other writers is a major perk. Last week, we featured a story from author Mike Thorne, and don't forget to go support his work. This week, we have a story from Veronica Smith, and I know you'll love it too. This one is entitled, So Much Messier. Was that a gun? Jared Haynes jerked his head to the side before looking straight ahead again, his hands firmly gripping the steering wheel. He was going roughly 50 miles per hour, practically flying for rush hour traffic. Some days the freeway just crawled and he was lucky to hit 10 miles per hour, but not today. He saw brake lights ahead and put on his turn signal, moving from the left lane to work his way over to the far right lane. Just four more exits until his. He thought he had seen the glint of steel out of the corner of his eye on the left lane shoulder, very near the bottom of the freeway center divider. He shook his head, clearing what he thought he saw yielding to traffic on the feeder road. Only ten more minutes until I'm home. Too bad that thought didn't overjoy him like it used to. The next day, he wasn't as lucky in traffic. It wasn't crawling, but 25 miles per hour was far from the posted speed of 65 miles per hour. He groaned as he saw more brake lights ahead and prepared to make his trek to the right and his exit ramp. Is that it? 
He put some pressure on his own brakes, glancing forward to make sure he didn't rear-end anyone, then carefully looked to the left. Sure enough, it was a gun. A small, semi-automatic pistol, to be precise. It was shining as the descending sun's rays caught it just right. Should I call the police? Maybe it was used in a crime. Surely no innocent person would have a legit reason for throwing a gun out on the freeway. It sat in the same place as yesterday, about six inches from the divider's bottom edge. It was as if someone tossed it and it bounced off the divider to land at its destination. He could almost imagine the clunk of the metal hitting the concrete if it wasn't for the droning sounds of vehicles clogging up the freeway. Traffic moved forward and he kept up, his eyes on the road as he worked his way to the right. But the gun never left his mind. Now that he knew where to look, he checked that spot every single day on his way home from work. For two straight weeks, he saw it there, without fail. How is it no one has removed it? Maybe no one noticed. Either that or no one cared. Monday began a new week, and Jared couldn't get the gun out of his head. Maybe... It was used to murder someone. It has to be connected to some kind of crime. Don't they have ballistics to link it somehow? That would mean any crime committed with a gun now would most likely be lumped in with its past crimes. Jared began to obsess about the gun and finally decided he had to have it. He needed it. Jared wanted to murder his wife. When he and Jackie were first married seven years ago, everything was perfect. He made a great salary and told Jackie she didn't have to work if she didn't want to. But Jackie continued working, and after two years of marriage, when Jared approached her about starting a family, she flat out refused. They had many heated arguments about it, and he was sure that's what sparked the inevitable distance that grew between them. Although it crushed him at the time, He was relieved now that they never had children. Based on how she was with him, just imagine how she would treat them. She was still as beautiful as the day he married her, but now she was ugly inside. She hardly talked to him unless it was to berate or insult him. She increased her smoking intake to two packs a day. He had quit completely three years ago and refused to smoke outside the house, despite his protests. Although he worked 40 to 60 hours a week himself, she used the excuse that she worked all day, and he needed to make dinner and clean up because she was so tired. In the early years, they used to take turns making dinner and clean up the kitchen together, usually laughing while they did it. They used to do a lot of things together, but no more. A year ago, she moved into the spare bedroom, claiming his snoring kept her awake, although her increased smoking only intensified her own. 
He tried everything to bring life back into their marriage, but she blocked him every step of the way. He wondered why she didn't just ask him for a divorce, but couldn't bring himself to ask for one. He still loved the old Jackie and wanted her back. Lately, he began to suspect she was having an affair, but wondered who would want her when she's always seemed so hateful. Maybe she's just a bitch when she's with me. Last week, he snuck a peek at her phone, and when she set it down before going to the bathroom, and as soon as he turned on the screen, her text app was up, and he saw the name Tom. He heard the toilet flush and quickly turned off the screen, setting the phone back exactly where he found it. As soon as she sat down, she picked it up and began typing on it, not a glance in his direction. It was Thursday, and the drive home was worse than ever. It was the 10-mile-per-hour concrete crawl. He'd heard on the radio that there was an accident two miles ahead. He knew he should have started to get over to the right lane sooner, but he wanted to see. Had to see. He needed to get closer. Just a little closer. Closer. The gun was still there, and he began to make plans to get it. Friday night, after Jackie went to bed, Jared snuck out of the house. It was three in the morning, and he figured freeway traffic would be at its lightest. He U-turned at the next exit, passed the gun, and worked his way back to where it was. It was harder to find in the dark. Looking in his rearview mirror, he only saw a few headlights far behind him. It's now or never. He clicked on his hazard lights and pulled over to the left lane shoulder, driving just past the gun. He sat in his car working up the nerve to step out onto the concrete. He only hoped a police officer wouldn't come by. Having car trouble, are we? He even had this all planned out. Why, yes, officer. My front left tire felt sluggish, and I thought I'd better check it out now. I'd hate to get a flat in the middle of the night further down the road. And if the cop happened to see the gun... Oh, my God! Is that a gun? What's a gun doing on the freeway? Would that have damaged my tires if I had run it over? The officer would reassure him that it wouldn't hurt them and just tell him to move along. Then he'd call it in and Jerry would never see the gun again. And that would be the end of his plans. So, let's hope no cop shows up and spoils everything. He waited until a dozen or so vehicles drove past, his car shaking from the wind of momentum as they passed him. Don't be a chicken shit. Just go out there and get it. Determined now, Jared put on a pair of latex gloves and opened the car door. He could hear the hum of freeway noise echoing in the distance. Much lower than the rush hour. <clears throat> Much lower than during rush hour, but, but droning on nevertheless. In just four steps, he was at the gun and picking it up. Yes! He jumped back into his car and began grinning maniacally. I did it. I did it. He carefully placed the gun in the bag he'd brought and peeled off the gloves, dropping them inside 
before rolling up the top. After checking to see if the way was clear, he gunned it to the left lane and turned off his hazard lights. As he drove home, he felt like he was in a happy daze. He'd taken the first step. When he got home, he was shocked to see the living room light on. He scrunched the bag as small as he could and pushed it under the passenger seat. He looked around quickly for something, anything he could use for an excuse as to why he was out in the middle of the night. He found an unopened package of bubblegum in his console and grabbed it. Where the hell were you? Jackie asked him blearily as he walked inside. She obviously had been asleep until a few minutes ago. He wondered what woke her. I couldn't sleep, so I went to get some gum. He held up the pack. Do you want a piece? He removed the cellophane and pulled out a stick, offering it to her. No, she said grumpily, but you go ahead. Maybe it will help with your breath. Shrugging, he unwrapped the piece and put it in his mouth. Good thing she didn't want it. It was old and tasted so. She gave him a dirty look, as if blaming him for waking her, then lit a cigarette. She blew smoke in his face, so he walked around her and went into his bedroom. One phrase kept resonating over and over in his mind. Maybe it was used to murder someone. He'd do the deed, and the police would trace it back to whatever previous crime it had been used in before, and he would be in the clear. Jackie took an extra shift at work on Saturday, or so she claimed, and didn't come home until nine at night. She looked exhausted and vulnerable, and for just a moment, Jared had doubts about killing her. So, where's dinner? she asked fatigue turning into annoyance. I worked all damn day and you couldn't even cook anything? He gritted his teeth, holding back spiteful words. You are useless, she muttered, pulling out her phone and texting as she walked into the spare bedroom. I don't know why I even married you. I don't know why I even married you. Full of hate, Jared went into his bedroom and began pacing. He only had to wait long enough for her to fall asleep. He heard a knock at the bedroom door and opened it up, surprised at the calm look on Jackie's face. Yes? He asked, hopefully. He really didn't want to kill her. All he wanted was his wife back. Maybe this was a start. I'm out of cigarettes, she said. Since you can go buy gum in the middle of the night, you can go pick me up a carton. She turned to walk back to the spare bedroom, and he almost shouted at her that he wasn't Amazon. But then he realized it was the perfect excuse to go into his car. He could sneak the gun in the house when he came back with her smokes. As he drove to the store, he sadly realized she wasn't going to change, at least not for the better. He had to do this. When he came home, he tucked the bagged gun into his waistband, the bulge hidden by his loose t-shirt. She never even came out to get the cigarette, so he put the carton on the kitchen table and went back into his bedroom to wait it out. 
He laid on the bed, just intending to rest a few minutes as he waited. He awoke with a start, blinking his eyes against a bright light. How did I fall asleep with the overhead light on? He crept to the door and turned off the light, then kneeled on the carpet, pressing his cheek to the floor, and looked under the door. He could see across the hall to the room where his wife now slept. The lights in that room, as well as the rest of the house, were out. She must be asleep. Do it. He went back to the bed, turned on a small lamp, then pulled the bag out from under the covers where he'd hidden it. He carefully put the latex gloves on and took the gun from the bag. He turned it over in his hands. He'd shot a gun before. Maybe not one exactly like this, but he could figure it out. He checked the chamber and found out... Empty. Oh, shit. What if it's not even loaded? He ejected the magazine and saw the dull silver of the casing staring up at him. He pushed it back into place, wincing at the loud click it made. Then he chambered around. He looked at the clock on the nightstand. 2.35 a.m. All right. The plan. First, he had to go to the front door and unlock it. Maybe leave it ajar a couple of inches for good measure. Sometimes, Jackie forgot to lock it behind her. And, since she got in so late today, it would fit. Someone, or several someones, must have followed her home, assuming that she would be alone. For whatever reason, they went to her door first and found her asleep in bed. Maybe she woke and found them standing there. Maybe she startled them. Who knows? The gunshot would wake him, and he'd run out in the hall. Not even noticing the front door was open, he'd call out her name, rushing into the room and finding her dead in her bed, shot to death. He'd almost trip on the gun, dropped in a panic by her killer. Yeah, that would work. He'd be distraught as he called 911, crying almost hysterically when they arrived. They'd try to console him while they bagged up the gun with all its attached prints and ballistics. That would point the crime in another direction far from him. He grimaced as he turned the knob to her room. The tiny squeak seemed so loud. He walked into the room and stepped to the bed, raising the gun. She was asleep. Her left arm on the pillow above her head, smiling a bit in her slumber. He hesitated, lowering the gun for a moment. She looked so beautiful in her sleep. When they were first married, he used to watch her when she slept. When he saw her smiling, he knew she was dreaming of him. But now, she's dreaming about Tom. With a snarl, he aimed at her face and pulled the trigger. The yellow and black crime scene tape cordoned off the front yard. Police officers ducked under to get to and from the house. As soon as the medical examiner arrived, it was lifted to let them get through with the gurney. A few minutes later, they came back out, the black body bag full and strapped down. That was a mess. 
one officer said to his partner from the sidewalk. Careful that no civilians heard him. Those 45s pack one hell of a punch. The younger one nodded. He was a rookie, and this was his first gunshot victim. He looked a little green, but hadn't thrown up yet, impressing his veteran partner. Wailing could be heard from inside the house, and neighbors up and down the street stood on their lawns or their sidewalk, trying to see what was happening. The wailing grew louder as three police officers stepped out the open front door, the distressed survivor walking out behind them. I don't know why he would try to kill me, Jackie sobbed. We were so happy together. I don't understand. I don't understand. Yeah, the veteran officer said to his partner. The damage is worse when the gun blows up in your face instead of shooting who you were trying to kill. So much messier. Hello again, everyone, and I hope you enjoyed So Much Messier by Veronica Smith. You can find it and other... You can find it and her other works on Kindle or on Amazon Prime. As I said last week and earlier in this episode, uh, this is the time of year that people seek out the spooky, so if you could please leave us a review and a rating... It would be very much appreciated. And again, my other show, Anarium, that's A-N-E-R-E-U-M, is available pretty much everywhere this podcast is available. So if you are into tabletop role-playing games and shows like Supernatural or Hellboy, I think you will enjoy Anarium. We'll be back next week with another episode, and see you then.